And I want to turn your attention to Judges, chapter 14. I'll be honest with you, the, some of the men kept me up late last night. And then I was woke up by one of those men that called me and gave me a word this morning. I woke up to a word from the Lord. Amen. And I, I mean, I like when that happens. But there was a saying, I don't know, I heard it somewhere when I was on, a, and I was listening to a book when I was driving up here from Minneapolis. And it said, the greater the doubt, the greater the awakening. If there's no doubt, there's no awakening. And I believe that there's an awakening that is about to happen in our world because there has been doubt that has saturated our culture. But that is just a setup. Satan did everything that he could to sow doubt. But now because there's doubt, there's going to be an awakening. So I pray that we would be sensitive and just be sincere as we would ask God, let the word speak to us tonight, not just corporately, but in individually so that we can leave change different than that we came. Amen. Amen. Okay. If we have Judges chapter 14, I'm going to start reading, I believe, verse uh, 6. Amen. It's good to see Dave and Ellie. Amen. They're my, they're my cereal eating buddies. Amen. Coffee. I had coffee today. I had several coffees today. I drank more coffee today than I normally do. So y'all, once again, you're in trouble. <laughs> Amen. Judges chapter 14, verse 6. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, Samson. And No, 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 no. I'm sorry. We got to back up verse five. You can't, you can't preach what you preached last night and not read verse five. I've got to read verse five. I am sorry. I, media team, my bad. <laughs> then went Samson down and his father and his mother to Timnath and came to the vineyards of Timnath and behold, a young lion roared against him. And the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he rent him as he would have rent a kid. Now, children, uh, that was talking about a, a baby goat. I don't know if that makes the, the text any better, but it wasn't talking about a child, okay? He didn't ri rip somebody's kid in half, okay? <laughs> I just, I want you to understand that they don't teach that in Sunday school, okay? But, but why? the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him and he rent him as he would have rent a kid. And he had nothing in his hand, but he told not his father or his mother what he had done. And when he went down, he talked with the woman and she pleased Samson well. And after a time, he returned to take her and he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. And behold, there was a swarm of bees and honey in the carcass of the lion and he took thereof in his hands and he went on eating and came to his father and mother and he gave them a little something to eat and they did eat and he told them not that he had taken the honey 
out of the carcass of the lion. So his father went down unto the woman and Samson made there a feast. Somebody say he made a feast. For so used the young men to do. And it came to pass when they saw him that they brought 30 companions to be with him. And Samson said unto them, I will now put forth a riddle unto you. And if ye can certainly declare it me within seven days of the feast and find it out, then I will give you 30 sheets and 30 changes of garments. But if you cannot declare it me, then shall ye give me 30 sheets and 30 change of garment. And they said unto him, put forth thy riddle that we may hear it. And he said unto them, out of the eater came forth meat, and out of the strong came forth sweetness. And they could not in three days expound the riddle. Somebody say the riddle. Tonight I'm going to preach to you about the riddle of revival. The riddle of revival. How many like riddles? Amen. I'm going to preach about that riddle tonight. So I'm going to need your help to pray with me. I want us to plug into the spirit right now. And like I said, I don't want I don't want to leave anything on the table. I want all that God has in Jesus name. Pray with me. Set your Bibles down. Lift your hands one more time. Father, we come right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we are praying that there would be a divine alignment in this house that we would find that balance in that rhythm of revival, Father, that we could walk in step with you in that prophetic pace. Help us to know where we are. Help us to know where we are going. I pray quicken us to the mind of your spirit for your perfect will in our families, in our marriages, in our children. Oh God, I pray let that riddle be expounded, oh God, with revelation and understanding in this house. And I pray that you would let that anointing flow and break every yoke. Let it destroy every yoke in the name of Jesus. We bind every hindering spirit whether human or demonic. I submit to your delegated authority therefore I take authority in the name of Jesus ever over every oppressive thought come on pray right now. Would the prayer warriors begin to push back against the spirits of darkness of this age in Jesus name. Hallelujah. <laughs> In Jesus' name. If you would, bump your neighbor and say, riddle me this, Batman. <laughs> and you may be seated. Amen. Amen. How many is ready for revival? Amen. If you're ready for revival, clap your hands one more time. A riddle. It's a question or a statement intentionally phrased so as to require ingenuity in ascertaining its answer or its meaning. And it's typically presented as a game. 
But revival isn't a game. The move of God we want to have, it, it's not a game, but, but there is a riddle to revival and the devil cannot figure it out. There is something about true, a true revival, a true move of God. The devil just doesn't know how to figure revival out. I'm telling you, when God does things, it leaves the enemy just scratching his head, unaware of the answer, unaware of how to make sense of the... Listen, I'll tell you, I'll be honest, I'll be the first one to tell you that I don't know how... God works I don't know how revival works but I know that it works I don't know how a move of God works, but I know that it does work. If it didn't work, I'd still be in the world. I'd still be on drugs. I'd still be partying. partying. I don't know how it works, but I know that it works. Can I get a witness in this house? <laughs> Amen. But we see that there's a story, obviously, Samson. He is mightily used of God in several different occasions. But we find that as he is on his way through the vineyards of Timnath, a young lion roars against him. Now notice, he's a, he's a Nazarite. And he, from before the time that he was born, had a Nazarite vow placed upon his life that he is not supposed to drink from the vine. He is not supposed to touch a grape because he has a calling. He has a purpose. But the Bible shows us in Judges 14 that as he was going through the vineyards of Timnath, he's not supposed to touch a grape and here he is in a vineyard. And that old saying, you hang, along, you hang around a barber shop long enough, you're going to get your hair cut. And here he is in the vineyard. Sometimes life puts you in places you never saw yourself being. And it's in those places we face our greatest battles. A young lion, the fiercest of all lions, roars against him. And God anoints him. God quickens his strength to be able to tear that lion in pieces like we did last night. The lion roared, gave away his location, and Samson tore him to pieces. He had victory. He got through that struggle. He fought that great fight. But on the other side of that battle, we see him come back one day to what he had once fought. And he reached in, he grabbed some honey out of them bones. And the Bible said that he went and then made a feast. And that tells me a lot of times if you process your past properly, what you once fought in your past can become a feast in your present. Because when he came to that carcass, notice what the Bible says. We many times pick the honey out, but it said that there was a swarm of bees and honey. So to get the honey, sometimes when you revisit 
past problems and past pain and you go back and return to some of those old struggles and battles that you once went through, when you go back, it's going to have a little bit of sting. It's going to make you uncomfortable. But listen, it's the swarm of bees, the sting, the pain of your past. Listen, if there was no pain, if there was no swarm of bees, a swarm of bees is what processed the, uh, uh, how do I say it? I want to say it like a fancy preacher. Hold on. The very same thing that produced the pain is the very same thing that processes the honey. So if there is no, if there is no pain, there is no honey. If there is no, oh God. So sometimes God, before we can move forward, we've got to go backward and we've got to draw strength out of past struggles. And if there was no pain, there would be no power. So he took out of what he once fought and he made a feast out of it. It was an, ex an excuse to him. Well, I'm the, no, 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 no. And when he made a feast, he gathered together some of those Philistines. They were the enemies of Israel. And when they were gathered together, Samson wanted to play a little game. And he said, you know what? I'm going to put forth a riddle. If you figure it out in seven days, I'll give you 30 changes of raiment and 30 new bed sheets. And they're like, deal. And he puts forth a riddle that Israel's enemies could not figure out. And he simply said, the, the, the riddle is this. He told them the riddle. They couldn't figure it out. And this is the same riddle of revival that the devil to this day cannot figure out. The riddle was this. He said, out of the eater came forth meat. This is the first part of the riddle of revival. That if you are going to be everything that God has for you to be and do everything that God has for you to do, you have to understand this part of the riddle that the devil does, can't figure out. The, 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 the part of the riddle is this. Out of the eater came forth meat. Let me say it like this. Out of the consumer, all of a sudden, there came a producer. So what he was saying is there was something that was a consumer, that lion that typically could eat up to 25 to 70 pounds of flesh in one sitting. The consumer, that lion, that carnivore that was constantly taking in to maintain his strength now is producing meat. And the enemy of Israel couldn't figure that out. They didn't understand. What do you mean out of the eater came forth meat they didn't know that there was a lion then now that lion is producing a feast because of what I once fought so what am I saying if you're going to have revival you cannot be just a consumer driven church 
culture where you come just to receive. You come just to take in. But there has got to be a transition. The eater has to come forth bringing meat. You don't come here just to receive what you can receive on Sunday. and But I'm here to tell you, if you just come to receive, if you just come to get your needs met, the devil's already got you figured out. But the riddle that the devil cannot figure out is a church full of needs comes to God with things to offer. I'm here to tell you, you may have your needs, but when you come with a mentality, I've got much to give. I've got things to lay on the altar. I've got talent. I've got gifting. I've got character. I may not have everything I need, but I have something to offer. But if you just come just to have your needs met, the devil's got you figured out. He'll just keep you having more needs. And you'll keep coming to receive. And now that, that's all right. That's all good. But here's the thing. If you look at Acts 28 and 1, Paul is, has been going through a storm. And this storm seemingly would never end, but he comes to an island. And on this island, they were escaped from the sea. And they knew the island. And verse 2 says, And the barbarous people showed us no little kindness, for they kindled a fire and received us, everyone, because of the present rain. Listen. He got to the island, but that didn't mean that it stopped raining. They were still in a storm. And I'm here to tell you, they are the, oh, God, help me. I don't want to get too caught up in this, but some things may be subsiding in our world. But that didn't mean the storm's over. But here's one thing just you got to understand. There will always be a storm. If storms keep you from being everything that God's called you to be, if that works, the devil will keep on working it. But I'm here to tell you, if you can learn to rise above your storms and bring what you have to offer, watch what the Bible says. Because of the present rain and because of the cold, they made a fire. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. Watch this. Paul was attacked because he had a different response, although he was subject to the same storm as everybody else. They were tired. They were cold. But their response to the fire was many of them are gathered around the fire just so that they can feel warmth, just so they can be comforted in the midst of their storm. But hear me, Paul, he said, no, I'm a leader. And what I've come to do is I'm not just come to take from the fire just so I can be comforted. But he said, listen, I want to bring some bundles of sticks so I could add fuel to the fire because I'm not here just to take from the fire, but I want to add to the fire. And church, that's why the snake attacked Paul and nobody else, because the devil knows Proverbs 26 and 20. Where no wood is, there the fire 
So if you come in the midst of your storm, just so you can be comforted, if the only reason that you come to the house of God, yes, there are times where we need comforted. I understand that. But if you constantly live in this perpetual storm and all you need is somebody to tell you it's going to be all right and a little bit of comfort to keep you, I'm telling you that fire is not long for this world. It's going to go out. But the devil knows where no wood is. So if he can just keep you, comfortable but Paul said no I may be under the same storm cloud but I'm going to have a different response I'm gonna, I realize the storm has taken a lot from me but it ain't taken everything from me I still got breath in my lungs and a bundle of, bundle of sticks in my oh. Oh. so let me say it hope this all making sense I feel like I'm going a million miles an hour but yeah, it's good coffee too. But watch this. Watch this. Instead of seeking comfort in the midst of his storm, he had a desire for contribution. And that's how Paul survived his storm. He put a higher premium on contribution than comfort. And that's what's going to separate you from this world. And that's what, listen, that's why the devil attacked him and nobody else. Because Satan attacks what he can't figure out. When you become a riddle that he cannot master, he will attack. And I'm here to tell you, God has attacked his church because there is a culture that says I want you to be a producer I want you to be a contributor not just present I want you to participate and the devil can't figure out a church that has needs but yet feels that they need to contribute like you still have value like you still have worth even after you've lost you realize what you have left. So I'm here to tell you many times, we, when we've gone through struggle, pain, loss, we're grieving, we will put a higher premium on comfort rather than contribution. And the devil's counting on that. He can figure that riddle out. But when you come with all of your needs, but you still feel compelled that, yes, I don't have much, but I'm going to give what I have. The devil's like, man, I took everything from them. I've took loved ones. I've tried to knock out their kids. I've tried, I've tried, I've done everything, but they still keep adding fuel to the fire. I thought this fire would be out by now. I let COVID come through. I let all the race wars come through, but still they're adding fuel to the fire. Uh, hear me, somebody. The devil can't figure out river of life because you're a riddle that's saying out of the eater came forth. My God. That's powerful. Because you know what the Bible talks about? Jesus told a parable one time. 
Jesus told a parable of a, a vine dresser, a gardener. And, and the owner of the garden, he comes and he sees this plant that's been there for three years. And he said, not one fig in three years. The plant's present, it's just not producing. And I'm telling you many times, we become like that plant, especially our last three years, 2020, 21, 22. And we've learned to become comfortable with being present, but no longer producing. And the devil can figure that out. Because what happens is, it's not just the plants not producing. I've got a verse of scripture. It's actually Luke 13 and 7. I've got it in the, in the, the King James and I've got the Amplified. Watch what this says. It says in Luke 13 and 7, it says, Then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on his fig tree. Listen, the God of heaven, he is not just wanting you to be present like that plant. He, he expects more of you than just being present. He wants you to participate. He wants you to be a producer. But watch what he said. Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree. But don't you realize what this fig tree's been through? Don't you realize what it struggled with? Don't you realize the storms and the rain and the weather patterns? It was, it was all, all of these things. But no, he said, in spite of all of it, I'm seeking fruit and find none he said watch this cut it down why cumbereth it the ground but I don't know do you guys have the amplified classical I'm going to read it very carefully listen to me listen 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 I know that that, that might not just watch what the amplified says so he said to the vine dresser see here for these three years, I've come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. He said, cut it down. Why should it continue also to use up the ground, to deplete the soil, to intercept the sun, and just take up room? Let me, let me say that one more time. He said, the owner of the vineyard said to the vine dresser, he said, these three years I've come looking for fruit in spite of the struggle, in spite of the storm. He said, cut it down. Why should it continue to use up the ground to deplete the soil and to intercept the sun? That got me. That struck a chord in me to intercept the sun. That means the sun that's coming down to earth is reaching for some but those that are just present and not producing are intercepting what's made for somebody. Oh, I'm telling you, there's somebody that might need Jesus on the pew next to you. But if you're the riddle hey, 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 that the devil's already figured out, you're just there intercepting the son. But if there's a church culture where we put a higher premium on being present than participation, 
then there will be people in need that are robbed of the answer for their needs. So you've got to get in your mind in this last three years have I become has the devil figured me out and got me to be present but no longer am I producing, no longer am I part of ministry, no longer am I helping park cars on Sunday morning, no longer am I standing at the front greeting, no longer am I helping children I'm just present but I'm here to tell you pain has a magical way of talking you into being present at the expense of being a participant. So that's what the devil has tried to get the North American church to do. He's got a lot of folks figured out but there is a riddle of revival. A church that has lost. A church that has gone through it. But you just keep bringing up fruit. You just keep having revival. You just keep contributing. You're not just present, but you're doing everything in your power to participate. You're not here looking for comfort. You're looking for what can I contribute? Yes, I've lost. But baby, what can I give? Because I got some, I got life left. My years are my best years are behind me. There are, hey, that's the riddle. When an elder says, listen, we had some good years behind, but you ain't seen nothing yet, baby. We're gonna have revival in our elders. We're gonna have revival. The devil can't figure you out. Huh. You ready? That's just the first part of the, the riddle. They couldn't figure that out. But there's a second part. I'm begging with you. I'm pleading with you. Let your highest premium be on your contribution that you can give. I'm not just saying pay your tithes and offering by contributing financially, although that very much is needed. What I'm talking about is contribution that's uncomfortable. Contribution. Do you realize what he did? He went back to where he fought one of his greatest battles and he pulled out of that fight a feast. And I'm here to tell you some of you that have faced abuse, some of you that have had trauma, I'm telling you, you're, a, you're one return trip back to your past. You're one return trip away from a great revival in your life individually. You just got to look back and say, yes, I may have gone through it and they may have done that to me, but I'm going to take out of that a feast. And he gathered all the young men together and say, hey, I'm going to feed you on what I went through. And when you, the devil can't figure that out. I've got news for you. You've got more to offer than you realize. Yes. Amen. 
The greater your fight, the greater your... So I like it when the people I pastor, I like it when they struggle a little bit. Right? Well, let me say it like this. Because the quicker some people get it, the quicker they're willing to set it back down. But some people, when you've got to wrestle with it, and you've got to work it over in your mind. And you, I'm telling you what, some people that have fought to get what they have, they're not so quick to let it down. So sometimes it's okay to struggle. Just because you're struggling doesn't mean you're failing. But then, you ready? The second part of the riddle. Out of the eater came forth meat, and then he said, out of the strong came forth sweet. Now, how we usually do, we usually associate strength with a bitter taste. Let me say it like this. When I drink coffee... Ooh, that's strong. What are we saying? We're saying it's bitter. Unless you're a real coffee drinker and you know how to. Really. Mm. Right? I know Dave and Ellie, they, we, you in South Dakota, Mr. Brown, Pastor Brown, he made me coffee one time. Oh, yeah. And got offended when I tried to add cream to it. Right? We love Pastor Brown. Amen. But he's a chemist. But here's the deal. When we drink coffee and we take that taste, we associate the taste and how bitter it is. And we equate that to its strength. Because many times strength is equated with bitterness. Watch this now. Exodus chapter 1 verse 14. Watch what the Egyptians did to the people of God. They made them to serve with rigor. And watch what the Bible says. And they made their lives bitter with Hard bondage. So the enemy, he understands if I can get you to go through some hard things, I can make you bitter. Because if you go through hard things, guess what? It requires strength. And the devil is counting on you to go through hard things. And because you go through hard things, you've got to be strong. And we equate strength with bitterness. Their lives were bitter because of that hard bondage and mortar and brick and all manner of service in the field. And their service wherein they made them serve was with rigor. And I'm here to tell you most times when you have to be strong, you have a temptation to become bitter. But if you become bitter because of the hard things you've had to go through, the devil has you figured out. But he can't figure out that riddle that is revival, that, that something that is strong 
has maintained its sweetness through all that it's gone through. The devil's scratching his head. They should be bitter. They should have quit by now. They should have got offended, walked away, left with a bitter taste in their mouth. But I'm here to tell you, river of life, the devil can't figure you out. He's put you through everything that he could. He's took loved ones seemingly. And I'm here to tell you, some of your elders are gone, your loved ones, and left widows. I know, I pastor a church just like that. And you should be bitter after how strong you should have, how strong you've had to be. My God, how have you maintained that sweetness, that right spirit? You should be bitter by now. You should have thrown in the towel by now. Why won't they give up? But like Paul on that island when he was attacked... Watch what the Bible says about Paul. That, that, that snake attacked him. And he should have died because of that poison. But you know what? He shook it off. In other words, he was not willing to take and allow that pain from the attack, he wasn't willing to allow that pain to become personal. He wasn't going to let what was happening externally get internal. Because if what's happening on around you, the attacks and the pain and the trial and all of that, if that gets internal, it'll poison your spirit. But if it poisons your spirit, you're going to be just like everybody else. The serpent, he understands. If I bite and I inject them with venom, they're going to be bitter because of the attack and they're going to fall down dead. But the Bible said, watch what it says in Acts 28 and verse 1 whatever uh, four and when the barbarians watch this verse four and when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand they said among themselves no doubt this man is a murderer whom though he hath escaped the sea yet vengeance suffereth not to live and a and he shook the beast off into the fire and he felt no harm watch this verse six how be it they looked when he should have Swollen, when he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly. How'd they know he should have? Because they've seen many people get bit by that same snake. And they just knew the natural response to humanity when injected with that bitter poison. He was supposed to be swollen and fall down suddenly. But watch what the Bible says. But after they had looked a great while. You're still here. 
Everybody else that went through what you went through. Everybody else that had faced what you'd faced, they fell down dead. They aren't here anymore. But you're still here. How on earth can you still be alive? Can I tell you, your response to life's trials is a display of resurrection power working in you that you ought not to respond like everybody else. He should have swollen. He should have fallen down. You should have walked away. You should have been angry with ministry. You should have after you lost that loved one. But you didn't and you're still here and the devil can't figure that out. That's how we have revival. When you've got a different response, although facing the same storm. That's what puts resurrection power on the map. And we're going to have revival because of it. Wow. I wish. But here's a little side note. If you feel in this house, if you feel any bit of poison, bitterness in your spirit, because what has happened in life? Wounds are how the external get internalized. Okay? And that's how poison gets in. That's how bitterness gets in. Because remember that serpent, he had to bite, then inject venom. Right? But he was not, he shook it off. I may have been wounded, but I don't have to become bitter. So he shook it off. Watch. So wounds are how the external are internalized. But how does the internal become externalized? Words. Wounds allow poison from the external to be internalized. But the only way to let what's been internalized be externalized, words. That's why he said in James 5 and 16, this ain't even in the notes, James 5 and 16, he said, confess your faults one to another, praying that you may be healed. Hear me, somebody. The only way you can be healed from the wounds that have allowed external things to become internalized is for you to begin to articulate what happened in a safe place. That's why we need small groups. That's why we need a safe place like the body of Christ. That's why, listen, that's why so many people are flocking to therapy right now because there is an eternal principle in the the word of God that they have piggybacked but I'm here to tell you it's words that they externalize what you have allowed internally somebody you've got to get to a place where you say you know what I was hurt I felt like I was done wrong God I don't understand why you had to let them go we prayed and they weren't healed you've got to get that out before it poisons your spirit somebody that's when the riddle becomes revival. Let's just stop for a moment and let's lift our hands. Father, right now, 
I pray if we have internalized anything. If we have been upset but didn't understand why. I pray, Father, help us to articulate it. Help it to become help our wounds to become words so that we can be healed in the name of Jesus. I'm telling you what you're doing right now. The devil doesn't understand how wounds become words. He can't figure that out. He never had a chance to be healed from that iniquity that robbed him and rotted in his heart. Somebody right now, you've got an opportunity to turn your wounds into words. But watch what happens. But after they looked a great while and they saw no harm come to him. That means they were watching. And they couldn't figure out why is he still alive? After the abuse, after the addiction, after But watch what the Bible says. But after they looked a great while and saw no harm, they changed their minds. Can I tell you, there's a world that's watching. And you're a riddle that the world can't figure out. And I'm telling you, this end time drama is coming to a close. And the world is watching the church. And I'm telling you, they can't figure it out. They've had the same kind of abuse. They've had addiction. They're looking for all the things that's going to bring fulfillment. And they can't understand why you're going through all the same thing, but you're not responding the same way. They can't figure it out. Why don't you stand with me? And if I can get piano player or musicians or, well, yeah, you guys just. So hear me. When the attacks come, leaders don't take pain personally. June, come on. Out of the strong came forth sweet. And I had this thought last night when I saw you, Sister June. You've had to be so strong. But how can you maintain the sweetness
this family as a representation of river of life. How could you go through so much but keep your spirit right? The devil can't figure that out, church. How do you respond when you get the call? When you get the news, you have to be strong. But that's how we're going to have revival. You wanted a revival in your family. And you'll have it. I saw today, I'm going to be, I'm going to do what I, uh, here we go. Pastor, I saw you today in prayer. But it wasn't just him. But he as a representation of you. I saw him weeping. And he don't cry. But I saw tears begin to flow down your face. And as tears began to flow down your face, I I saw them hit the floor. And they became this river that would rival. Here's the wording that God gave to me. Tears that when they would fall, would, would, would a river that would rival the Mississippi would flow from Grand Rapids and would carry revival south into the Midwest. I'm telling you, you've cried, you've wept, you've lost, you've loved. But here's the thing. It's the tears that you cried that watered the seeds that have been sown over decades. You prayed for revival, but God gave you a riddle. Why, God? But the verse of scripture God gave me. You ready? How many know Job? We've preached about Job. We know about Job, don't we, Malcolm? We we know about Job. Job lost everything, seemingly. But that at the end of his story, God turned it all around. But do you know when God turned it around? Well, when Job found out some things about himself. God asked him 80 some questions. No, the exact moment was in Job 42 and 10. You ready? Job 42 and 10. Watch this. A man that had lost his kids, a man that had lost all his cattle, He'd lost everything seemingly. And when he seemingly had nothing left, the whole book of Job is, why did I have, why did this have to happen? Why'd you take my kids? Why, God, did I have to lose everything? God, why is my health failing? It was a riddle. 
It was all one big riddle. God, I've prayed. I've fasted. We were faithful. But the Bible says in Job 42 and 10, and the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for it. What? And also the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. I'll tell you what's going to turn it around. Is when you that have lost so much and feel like you have nothing left, realize I can pray. Because I've lost, but I haven't lost everything. And when those that had lost began to pray for those that were around them watching, everything turned around. But watch what the Lord spoke right before I got in the car and to come and drive here to come preach to you precious people. Bring that verse of scripture back up. What did God turn? The kept. The captivity of Job. He was captive to his trial. He was captive to his loss. He was captive to the. But when God, when you respond properly, he was captive in his trial. But watch what happens. When he began to pray, all of a sudden God turned his captivity into capacity to receive twice as much river of life this last three years it seems like we've been held hostage by trial after trial loss after loss but hear me what i'm about to do in a second those come here i hey, listen though if you oh, i'm trying to figure out how to do this Let's start here. Is there anybody that's lost a loved one over the last three years? Like, it, like family, like right there. I want you to come stand right here with me, please. We're going to pray. I want you to hear me. I want you to look at me. If anybody needed prayer, it was Job. Everybody else, they still had their kids. They still had their cattle. They still had their health. But God was trying to make Job's captivity capacity to receive twice as much 
So river of life, hear me, what God has been doing. We have been through some things, but God has been trying to create a capacity to receive more than we ever have through the trial, through the tribulation, everything that we've got. But how do we turn it all around? The riddle is this, that those that need prayer the most, when they're the ones that are doing the praying for others and not for themselves, it turns it all around. So Malcolm, come here. June, get. How many have prayed for them? Yeah. But what we really need river of life is for them to pray for us. And it's gonna turn around. But watch, in this moment, they're going to pray for you. It's like Jesus on the cross. He'd been stripped of everything. And what's he doing on the cross? Father, forgive them. They're the ones that took everything from you. Father, forgive. They should be praying. You see the riddle? Even Jesus said, why? Why? But I'm here to tell you right now, those that came up with loss, I know this is going to be awkward. It's going to be different. I want all those that, I want you guys, the rest, I want you to come in behind, okay? I want you guys to get as close as you can. Would you just kind of fill in these spaces? Now you ready? Those that came up first, here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn around towards those that just came up. And here's what's going to happen in a moment. Those of you that have needs, when you begin to pray for those that are around you, God is going to meet your needs when you begin to pray for somebody else instead of you just coming to receive prayer for yourself. We're not here for comfort, but Father, we have something to contribute to the body of Christ and something in the Spirit is going to turn around in this church right now. So I want you, if you would, reach out to that person in front of you and begin to pray now in the name. Hey, but she-